0: So today what I want to talk about, what I want to talk about as we continue in Proverbs is this, is I want to talk about how to be wiser with our money. Uh, we've been looking at Proverbs for the last couple months here. What is God's plan for your financial ship there? So, uh, and here's, here's what I know to be true. Here's what I know to be true. So for the last 10, 11 years... I've been the lead pastor of this church and, you know, I've watched hundreds of people, you know, embark on new journeys, new spiritual journeys. You know, they find a reality in God and Christ here. And uh, but so often what happens in people's lives is they get tripped up in financial debt. They get tripped up that way and they get behind and their whole their whole Christ following life can be, you know, anxious and worried and stressed out, you know, and uh, really not fun because we I'm going to talk about this morning here. And people can feel beaten down. Uh, they can feel beaten down. They can feel like they're always trying to catch up. They can also sometimes feel the oppression of like they're on a death march because of their financial world here. So beginning today, beginning today, we're going to unpack God's wisdom here. And by His power, we're going to see how we can learn to be wiser with our money here. So starting today... I want to declare to you that your financial future can be different than your financial past here. And I simply, what I want to do, I simply want to unpack six principles in the scriptures here about how to be wiser with your financial world here. And how we can build this into our lives here. So when we walk with God, all of our lives change, including our financial world changes here. And so the first point is this, gonna jump right in here, is that what we wanna do is we wanna trust God, in your notes, as your source and your supplier. So now think about that, because I think it's critical, it's central to what we're talking about here this morning. But it's normative, it's normative to subtly think this. Think, you know what, it's my job that is my supplier. Or it's my bank account, or my savings, or my investment, and it's other things you know that are at my disposal that are really, it's really my source and my supplier. But we see here in the scriptures that really it's God here, and your job and all the other things; those are simply channels through which God supplies for your life. And so James set one seventeen says, "This is not in your notes, but it says this." It says, "Look, every good and perfect gift that comes your way." that comes down the pike, it's from God. And so life is a gift from God. Uh, Your talents are a gift from God. How you get paid ultimately is a gift from God. Your health is a gift from God. Your strength is a gift from God. Regardless, you know, if your income is just meager or moderate or massive, it's all a gift from God here. So Deuteronomy puts it this way. It says, remember this. Remember the Lord your God, for it is He Who gives you the ability to produce wealth? See, it's, it's a, it's a gift from God there. And so the ability to produce wealth, any ability we have to make money comes from God. And so your ability, your aptitude, your energy, your, you know, God endows you with the capacity then to earn wealth. And so Romans puts it this way. Everything, just everything comes from God here. And so God owns it all. And he just loans it to us, you know. And so I really don't own anything. I didn't have it before I was born. I won't have it after I'm no longer here. God just loans it to me for a season here. And so the first thing is this. We need to recognize that God is your source and God is your supplier. Secondly, I want to recognize this, but we got to put God first in all of our lives. You want God's blessing on your life, you got to put him first. You put him first in your finances. If you want God to bless your marriage... You got to put him first. If you want God to, you know, bless your your education, you got to put him first. You know, when I was in school, one of the ways I put God first is I did this in college. Is uh, I would I would st- I would go in the library and I would study for an hour. And then on the hour, I would stop and I would just read a scripture. I'd stop, I'd read Psalm or Proverbs or whatever. And uh, and then the next hour, I'd go back to doing my homework and studying. And I'd stop on the hour, I'd read a scripture. Uh, I just want to honor God that way so that he would honor me. Another thing that I would do is before I had big exams uh, in in college on the UC Irvine campus, is that bef- uh, I had certain times during the week that I would just go out. This is my thing I did. I'd go out and I'd ask people if I could just share my story with them. It was kind of awkward, you know, but I but I, I learned to become comfortable with it. And I just go out and I t- and I asked they'd be studying it. See so yeah, how I was wondering if I I could uh, just Touch base to you for a second and just share my story. And, and I tell them my, and I share my story with them. And I do that before my big exams where, you know, pressure and crunch time and everything. And, uh, so, but just build that into your life, honoring God. If you want to, uh, your, your career to be, to be blessed, honor God in your career. You want your business to be blessed, honor God in your business. You want your finances to be blessed, honor God in your finances. And so, Proverbs puts it this way in Proverbs 3. It says, Honor the Lord, watch, by giving him your leftovers. By giving him the what? the, By giving him the, say it? Right, the first part, not the last part, but the first part of all your income, and he will fill your, your barn silver overflowing. In other words, he will bless you. He'll bless that. That's the promise. There, you'll be blessed. But this is something that you you're challenged to build into your life here. So the promise is this: you put God first, you honor God, you trust God. Okay, then He's going to honor and He's going to bless you. This is a principle. This is the wisdom of Solomon. And so, what I've discovered is difficult as this: is when you go to do that, when you go to do that, you know, there's no standing ovation. There's no, you know, marching band. There's no one cheering you on. It's just you. It's just you and God there. But God sees, you know, God sees your heart. God sees your obedience. God sees you trust him. And he says that the student that does that, the man that does that, the woman that does that, I will bless them. And so, and here's the other thing that I know to be true is that we live with this, this, this idea in our, our minds that if it comes to me, it's for me. And the, and the culture screams that out. That everything that comes to me is for me. It's kind of a consumption assumption that if it comes to me, it's for me. And God is like, like saying, no, no, it's better to give than to receive. And you're, you're more blessed. You're more blessed and you'll discover life in its fullness when, when you become a blessing and a conduit here. It's like God is saying, what made you think, what made you think that I only had you in mind when I gave it to you? How do you know that I didn't give it to you? Because I wanted to bless someone else there. But there's a consumption consumption assumption that we live for that everything that comes to me is for me. Is really that's the Christian life is not meant to be lived that way. You're more blessed when you're given. So how then do we break, how do we break the power over our lives here of the culture that we live in? Uh, so here's what we need to recognize that in Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, there was all there were many gods, and so any city, any any city that you go to, there were gods that they worshipped. It was a multi-theistic culture there. So if you went to Ephesus, they would worship the goddess of Diana, and so uh, or any Colossae, Thessaloniki, anywhere you went, they would have gods that they would worship, and you would literally ask, "Hey, what god do you worship here?" And so it was just full of idolatry. Well, isn't it interesting that Jesus, you know, on the landscape that's dominated by all these these gods here, isn't it fascinating that Jesus only identified one God? Of all the gods in the culture, he identifies one God that was his rival, the God of Mammon. And so the God of riches here. And he says that no one can serve two masters, either you're gonna love one and hate the other, you're gonna be devoted to one and despise the other. And there's one God. Not not any of the other gods, but just the God of mammon, the God of riches. And really, two thousand years later, has anything changed? It really has it there. See, it's the God of riches and his power over our lives that is broken when we give. Because I could they make the same promise. Jesus Christ, God, the God of mammon, they make the same promises to us. And so that's why there's such a struggle here, because they both promise, you know, follow me, Jesus, and then you'll have a fulfilled life. You know, money says, follow me, I'll make you happy. I'll make you a, I'll make you a somebody. I'll make you significant. Jesus says, you'll find purpose. Money says, I'll make you significant. I'll make you safe. I'll make you secure. Jesus, you have eternal security. See, they're both telling you the same thing. And so there was one rival God in in culture that is the same today. Jesus says, I'll provide for you. I'll protect you. I'll watch over you. I'll give you meaning. Money tells you the same thing. And so... Uh, so I invite you, I invite you to consider this, that really the power of money is broken when we become givers. So Jesus wants to to experience the adventure of generosity. So anyway, in your notes there it says, so what you do then to break the power okay, of money in your life is you give to God. You give to God's agenda off the top here. You see, you know, God, you're, you're the God of my life. You're number one. I recognize everything comes from you. And so... But here's what I also know to be true, is that our yearnings, our yearnings for things will always be greater than our earnings. Our yearnings will always be greater than our earnings. And so it takes faith to say, to believe God and say, you know what? I'm going to give back to you, God, a little bit of what you've given me, and I'm going to put you first. I'm going to honor you. And so, but every time I do that, I'm recognizing, God, you're my, you're my source. And so, You say, well, what do you do? You know, I'm I'm not into that. I'm not, you know, it sounds kind of foreign or it's new to me. Here's where you start in your notes. Is you build on, here's your notes. You start this way. You build on little islands of generosity. You just do something. You just start somewhere. And isn't it interesting that Jesus pointed out that the greatest gift in all of the New Testament, the greatest gift is the woman that gives two little pennies a widow. And Jesus said, she has done what she could here. And so, one of the great the great uh, challenges is to be challenged to become a giver here. And so, but Jesus said that that this is the way. This is the way you'll be more blessed. You'll be more blessed if you give than you receive here. And so, this is the way that you you experience life. You surrender to what God has said here. And so, now I ask this: Does giving? Does it come naturally or do you have, does somebody have to kind of talk to you about that? I mean, think about your kids. Did your kids, uh, what did, what were the, the four letter word of most kids when they're little, they say, it's, it's, it's mine. Right. It's mine. So you know what that tells me? That in our nature, in your nature that you're born with, the nature you're born with is like, it's all mine. It's it's for me. And so the way the little child learns to to share their toys and everything is the parents have to teach them. So and but the same but the same nature that's in the child is in me is in you. And we have to learn, we have to learn then to be giving. It is more blessed to give. Jesus said, You'll get more out of life. You'll become the person you want to become. You'll become the person I want you to become when, it, when you recognize it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so this is God's financial plan. Number three, what Proverbs says is this, is to save a little bit, save a little bit over a long time. Save a little bit. See, it says Proverbs 21. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish... Just spend whatever they get. You know, in Japan, uh, they save twenty-five percent. Of their uh, the culture saves twenty-five percent. In Europe, they save eighteen percent. In America, we spend more than, than we make as, as a nation. And so, so, but the the wisdom of Proverbs says says the wise person. If you want to be wise, build this into your life. Build a, a disposition of saving. And you know what? Um, So, And I recognize this because uh, I'm I'm going to teach on it. I've been thinking about it this week. And you know what I think one of the greatest liabilities is, and, and, uh, and a liability in my own life, a liability in my own life, is that in my family none of this was true. I don't know about you, but the family I grew up in, none of this was true. None of it happened. I didn't observe or see any of this really my whole lifetime uh with with my my dad or my mom. I, I didn't see any of these principles. And so like on one hand, like, you're going against everything that you ever learned in your family life. And so my family never say My dad never say it. was always buy this, buy that, the next house, the next car, the next set of golf clubs. You know, I love my dad with all my heart. But I never saw any of this lived out. And so it's like having to restart and, and, and reprogram. Even now, uh, you know, I, 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 I have, I'm realizing, like, You know, I have to follow God's way and not what I saw my whole life. And so whoever spends whatever he gets is foolish to blow it all there, to ignore the future. The wise actually save on a rainy day. And so why? Because things are going to happen, right? Things are going to happen. So, not even connecting the dots here, but yesterday I pulled on my car. I pulled the, I pulled, this is from my car. And uh, this is not a joke, and this is not a setup for today. I, I open the handle, and the, and the, the door handle like comes ripping off. I'm not kidding. You want to see my car? It's the p- Toyota parked right out there. You can look in my car. It's right over there. And so um, on the driver's side, and um, so I got an ex- now I got I got to fix the car. The car's got other things, but if you notice that things like happen like with amazing regularity, or am I the only one? Amazing regularity, things are happening all the time. So the wisdom of Proverbs says, you know what? You gotta save for this. Because it's gonna happen. You know, predicaments are they're they're gonna happen there. So the Bible says it. Watch this. Proverbs chapter six. Check this out. It says, Watch the ants and learn from their ways. They store up provisions during the summer to be used in the winter months. Okay, watch the ants and learn from them. Now, I know it's not in your notes, but the Bible says this. Check this out. The Bible says that if we would match the brain power of the average ant. I didn't say this. Please don't be offended. This is what Proverbs says. The Bible says that if we would match the average brain power of an ant. okay. Uh, Maybe that's a stretch here. But if we would do what ants do and set something aside regularly, okay? Regularly for the inevitable emergencies, it's going to go well with us. It says here, store provisions during the summer because winter is going to roll around with amazing regularity there. And so uh, in Financial Peace University... They talk about the first thing you need to do is is, is have a $1,000 in an emergency fund because inevitably this baby is going to happen, you know. So it's going to happen there. So anyway, so you just sock some money away there. So start with something. Be like the ant here. So the wise, you know, they invest. Here's the other reason why they save. The wise invest money, okay. So my money's working for me rather than me always working for my money. Okay, so my money's working for me rather than I'm always working for my money. The wisdom, the timeless wisdom of Proverbs here. Proverbs 13 verse 11 says this, Money that comes easily disappears quickly, but money that is gathered, watch, little by little, Little by little, that's, that's uh, saving little by little there, being consistent, you know, the miracle of compounding interest there. This is God's financial plan, is that money would work for you and not against you, just a little bit. And that's the reason why we don't do it. I was listening to a, a, a pastor uh, talk on the subject. His name's Rick Warren. You probably heard of Rick Warren from Saddleback Church. Well, when Rick Warren was 17 years old, he was he was inspired to do this at 17 years old. He began to save fifty cents a week. That was his goal: save fifty cents a week. And now he's a, he's still a pastor there. And now he just gifts his time because he uses resources well. He is, and he's a pastor for free of one of the largest churches in, in America here. So plan carefully. Plan carefully. Uh, Proverbs 21, and you'll have enough. If you act too quickly. Now think about that. What does it mean to act too quickly? That's to be impulsive, right? Have you noticed there are certain places that you go that it's like it's uh, it's playing on your impulse there. It's like your impulse on steroids. I feel this like every time I go to Costco. Does anyone feel it? Are you feeling it? Thank you, Chuck. I feel it every time I go to Costco. This impulse on steroids. If it's true of me, it's true of you. Just stop looking at me like that. It's true. It's true. And so I can usually I can usually come up with about three things in in the in the cart there that it's impulse. Oh gosh, I didn't realize I I could really use one of those like a super mega unbelievable flashlight that shines a thousand feet. I've never that I just. I need that, you know, and then I, and then I walk around, and I, and I and I look at, it and I start with you, and I say, "Well, I guess I don't need it, you know." So, you know, I put back two of the three, and I usually keep one impulse blind. So, hey, I'm just being honest. So, number four is plan your spending, plan your spending. This is the B word, the B word, the budget word. Aim your money here. A budget, you know, just a plan, it kind of tells you where where things are to go. You know, if you don't have, watch. If you don't have a budget, you're not following God's way. You're not following God's way, God's wisdom here. So, what is a budget? A budget is simply where you're telling your money, you know, where it goes here. And so, uh, but the easiest way to sink your financial ship is what we just talked about there with impulse buying. And you know, every retailer, that's their game. Their game is to get you to impulse buy. So that's why when you walk in, it's like, oh, what. Where have you been all my life? Like all these options, you know, I wasn't even thinking about. And they strategically put them in places. But that's the whole game. And they win when you impulse buy. And you lose there. And so, uh and, you know, and it's like, oh, honey, it was on sale, you know. Was like, yeah, but it, it, was, it was an impulse, but it was on sale there. And so it says here so you can act too quickly. But the marketers know this, that the one word that will get you to impulse buy is another four-letter word. Starts with an S and it is, it's, what is it? Sale, right. Sale. And so they just know that. And you didn't know that you needed it, but it's on sale. And so now that it's on sale, you know, you're lured to buy that thing there. Something, now it's not based on reason. It's not based on rationale. Now it's based on impulse and emotion. And that's why I do it. So the wisdom of Proverbs is like, look, 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 okay, don't act too quickly, here. You'll never have enough if if you live that way. So plan your spending because opposite of impulse is budgeting there. So the wisdom of Proverbs twenty, chapter 27. riches, Riches can disappear fast. Anybody know that to be true? As in, crumb, where did like, where did it all go? Riches can disappear fast. Four thousand years ago, the wisdom of, of Proverbs. So he says, so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and your, and your, 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 your herds there. See, in that culture, there was no bank accounts. There was no, you know, 401ks. Everybody knew how well you were doing, not by the car you drive, but by your goats and sheep and cows. It's still that, that way, uh, true that way in cultures around the world. You know, that's how you know. And so, um, that's why they do dowries and things like that. But anyway, so in that culture, if you didn't have any cows or goats, you know, you, 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 you were broke. You didn't have anything. And so if you had a lot of cows and goats and sheep, you were rich. And so, so the, so Solomon says, look, you need to know the state, okay, of your flocks. Today he would say, "You need to know the state of your stocks you need to know the state of, of of your of your assets there you need to know where your investments are going you need to know are your investments growing there proverbs twenty three five money can be gone again in a flash there, it's like it grows wings and is flown away like an eagle and so You have to know where it's going. So in your notes, here's what you gotta know. These four things you have to know. I need to know, I need to know what I own. I need to know that. I need to know what I earn. Okay. In your notes, I need to, I need to know what I owe. And I need to know where, like, it's all going here. So it says, you know, you need to be in the know here. And some people, you know, like, they might say, you know what, but, but I hate to keep records. You know what? I hate to keep records too. So I have multiple people in my life that help keep records. Like one of them uh, is my wife, and she is a monster, and so she loves to do that. And I hate to do it, so she keeps records. You know, I have other people they keep records. So you know what? But you got to do that. If you can't do it yourself, then you got to find people to 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 help you do that. There. So number five, the wisdom of of Proverbs is for your financial world: is climb out of debt. Climb out of debt. So debt, you know, he's going to say this. Debt is really like bad. Like debt really wrecks your life. Like it wrecks marriages. It wrecks relationships here. And so uh, I really believe that you have to hate debt. You have to hate debt. Almost like it's a visceral reaction. You have to disdain debt. Because we spend, we go into debt. We have no margin, you know. And then we worry. And then we repeat the cycle. And so Proverbs says this. Proverbs says this. says, look, here's what you got to do. You can't withhold Repayment of your debts. Proverbs three twenty seven. You can't you can't withhold that. Romans thirteen eight says, "Let no debt remain outstanding. Let no debt remain outstanding here." And so, if we have debt, you know, and it keeps us in bondage, we hate debt and we attack debt. Then we can knock the, We can knock it out slowly over time. We don't get into debt fast. We don't get out of debt fast. But at least we begin to have a plan there. And so we don't, you know, um, we can't just live there under that stress forever. So what do we do then? Just a couple things in your notes. What A couple things, that you know, if we keep doing what we do, what we're doing it, it's not working, you know. That's just insanity. And so sometimes you need to work a little harder, work a little longer, you know, get another job, a little side job, you know, uh, work from home. And then rather than just always doing the minimum, 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 do a little bit more. So in our family, what we do is, uh, whatever it is, like all the things, like we have one car, we have five cars with all my kids. We have one car we're making payments on. And, uh, and so, but, but we pay, you know, I think we pay double of, of the payment there. And so uh, so we don't do the minimum, minimum, minimum. But see how you can get out of debt by paying more like the maximum there. And so and uh, if you haven't heard about Financial Peace University, I just invite everybody to go. I'm doing it. My wife's doing it. It's awesome. Meets tomorrow night, 630, Ministry Center. We'll pay for you to go. If you want to go and you can't afford it, we'll pay for you to go. Tomorrow night, you're, you're invited. So anyway, um, here's the final habit. Here's the final habit. And that is to enjoy, enjoy what you have. Just enjoy what God gives you. And so, you know, God God wants to bless you. He says, you know, again, every good and perfect gift is from Him. He's giving you all things freely to enjoy here. But we can be so busy trying to get more that we don't have time to enjoy what we have. We can be so busy, you know, wanting to, you know, bless our children that we don't actually have Time to enjoy the blessing of our children, you know. Especially in America, you know, we buy stuff. and And uh, I was in Africa one time, and a guy says to me, "Doctor Rod, Doctor Rod, why in America do they do do so many people they have heart attacks?" He so I can't understand that. You're the richest nation in the world. I said, well, "Here's what you don't understand." It says is that we have a lot, but to maintain a lot, we work a lot, and so we die. That's why we die in America. (laughs) He was just looking at me like... But enjoy what you have. See, enjoy what you have, and so be content. It says this in Ecclesiastes. Solomon also wrote this. He said, it's better to be satisfied, watch, watch, it's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. But you know what culture screams at you? When you leave here, I'm going to tell you everything I said is a lie. They going to scream at you. No, it's not good, good, good with what you have. You want something else. You want something else. But the 4,000-year-old wisdom of, of Solomon downloaded by God to Solomon and being given to us is this. Look, look, it's better to be satisfied with what you have. Learn to love what you have there. And so God can give you a sense of contentment over time uh, but see um but what happens is, is that is that we're always wanting something else there. we're always addicted you know to the upgrade. Anybody know what I'm talking about? you know you've got to have eight point zero you can't you've got a six point <sighs> zero. Can't believe you got to get an eight point. You got to get a two twenty seven point zero. You've got a two twenty six. You're not. You're not cool. You know. And so, uh, and so we can't always be busy getting more and not enjoy what we have. Just enjoy what we have. We can't spend our whole lives huffing and puffing. You know that we can't just enjoy what we've got. You know uh, we can live frustrated. It, it's greater to be satisfied to be content. And so you know what. Um, really, like this, this came off my car, it's like 14 years old, uh, got about a quarter million miles on it, but you know what, I'm like, I'm content, I I mean, I need a new handle, but, but, uh, but honestly, I, I, I really am content, I'm not just saying that because I'm up here talking, I'm content, and I don't have the coolest, you know, ultimate dream machine, uh, in, in the, in the area, but you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm content, and you know what, I'm quite happy that, um, uh, that for the last 13 years or so, I haven't had a car payment, and, uh, I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed that journey that I could just do other things there. And so, uh, Ecclesiastes puts it this way in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 19. It says, if God gives us wealth, okay, and property, okay, and lets us enjoy them, every good and perfect gift is from God so that you can enjoy it and you should be grateful and enjoy what we have word for. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Timothy put it this way, or Paul put it this way to Timothy, he said, look, Timothy, godliness, godliness with contentment, there, that's the greatest gain, that's the greatest thing if you can have that going on in your life there. He said in Philippians 4, he said, I've learned to be content with whatever I have, if, you know, I have a lot, I have a little, I have learned, it doesn't come natural, but I've learned to be content. The author of Hebrews 13 put it this way it says keep your life free from the love of money. Just be free from that by doing what God says and learning to be a giver, okay? And be content with what you have for God says I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And so you learn to be content. And so so here's the key. Here's the key, one of the keys. I'm going to I'm going to close with a couple of keys and I realize there's a lot of stuff but I just got one shot in this series in Proverbs, so I unloaded a lot. So, real happiness, real happiness. Watch, it's not determined by what you have. It's not. Look at the, look at the wealthiest people in the world. They're not happy. They're not happy. Real happiness is not determined by what you have. Happiness is determined by your response to what you have or what you don't have. And so let me sum it up. We have no idea how much God wants to bless us if we'll just do it His way. But we have to decide am I going to trust God and go His way or am I going to go my way. I mean, how's your way working for you? And so, what do we need to do? We need to switch some need to hit the reset button from we need we need to switch from my plan, my financial plan to God's financial plan as laid out in Proverbs here. These six habits of, of a healthy life, financial life here. And you have to do all of them. They're promises, but you have to do all of them for them to be activated, the promises to be activated in your life here. And so let me just review what I've talked about. Remember God's my source to trust Him as your source. Not my job, not my my employer. To give to Him off the top. Honor God first. And so it goes back to Him as an act of worship. To plan, to plan, to plan, my 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 spending saving a little bit over a long time, climbing out of debt and enjoying enjoying what you have and so if you do this god's God will bless you there is a condition to it, and so you know what um i so in my own life i just i've just like. I don't like to just give talks, you know. I filter it through my own life. And and one of the things, a uh, conclusion that I've come to is this. Is that um, I, I'm, I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to impress my neighbors. I'm just not here to impress anybody. I, I really don't care. What I've concluded is this. Is that I want to do my life and I want to do my finances and I want to live for an audience of one. I just want to live for an audience of one. Just God. Just God. Because in the end, He's it. He's the only one. I'll stand before Him and you'll stand before Him so why wouldn't, knowing that to be true, knowing that to be true, that one day, I'll stand before Him, and so I want to live in light of that day, I'll be judged and you will be judged, I'll be judged for what I was given, and so will you, and so one last thing, as it, For this to work, for this to work, there's one thing that needs to be true. One thing. And if you are not this one thing, the things I said, it's not going to work. There's one thing that needs to be true. And that is, you have to be humble. You have to be willing to be humble. Because if you're not, if you're arrogant... I can figure it out on myself. I'll go my own way. I'll do my own thing. I can handle this. You know, I don't need help, you know, from above. You know, I need God to tell me what i uh. Humility is such a better way. And if you'll humble yourself, it'll work for you. It'll work. But if you're arrogant, you're cocksure, you, you will pay. You'll pay the consequence of arrogance here. And so... Um, I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this for this church. I'm doing this for you. It's for you. Because I love you, and I, I love the church. And so, and I want, I don't want us to be in, you know, ruin. I don't want us to wreck our lives here. And So, um, and I say that because when I give a talk like this, I have to be honest, say, you know, I feel a little glitch. I think, oh, are they going to think this? They're going to think that? It's like, I just need to tell them. I just need to tell them the truth. And so, that's what I've sought to do is just to tell you the truth. It's for you that you would be blessed, and so if you would um, just bow your heads with me, and Father, I pray that uh, that you would help us to break the dysfunction and of our lives, and that you would help us to start a legacy. Help us start a legacy for our family tree. Help us if we need to push the restart button to do it today. Lord, help us to. To, to walk in the wisdom of your word. And I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would do what I don't have the power to do and that you would take your words and, and help us to apply them to our hearts and our lives as we desperately need your wisdom here. And I pray that this would be a day of destiny for hundreds of us. I pray that this would be a day where a wave of humility washes over our lives in this church, that you would cleanse us from arrogance, and that we would say your ways are higher than our ways, and that we'd recognize that we need you. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.